welcome to episode nine of In the Abstract, the Lakeland Title podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson, the founder and owner of Lakeland Title. For this episode, I wanted to talk about the things you need to know before you sign a lease. Uh, I'm going to mostly talk about residential leases, but later in the episode, I am going to talk a little bit about commercial leases, but I wanted to kind of focus on residential because this is the time of year when a lot of people are signing residential leases because most residential leases go either for the calendar year, meaning they start in January 1st and go the entire year, or they go by academic year, which means they start in July or August and go for that you know entire academic year until the, the next summer. So the lease is important because it defines your entire relationship with the landlord. It defines what your rights are to the property, how you can use the property, and what the landlord is responsible for, what the tenant is responsible for. So it's very important that you read your lease and know what's in it. Now, if you're dealing with a large apartment complex that's maybe owned by a national company, because there are a lot of companies that own apartment complexes all over the country, and they usually have a form that they use. Uh, It's a national form that has some state-specific things in there because I've helped uh, some of these companies draft their leases when I did landlord-tenant work but they're generally going to have their own form for a lease and they're not really going to deviate from that. So there's not really a lot of negotiating you can do on that lease, but it's still important to read it and know what it says in there. Now, if you're dealing with a landlord who maybe only has a few units or maybe it's a local company or just only operating within the state, you may have some ability to negotiate some of those terms. So that's why it's also very important to know what's in that lease and to read it and to get a good idea of what's going on and to definitely, uh, you know, seek out a lawyer if you need to, if there's something you don't understand, or just ask for more clarification. If there are any things in that lease you don't understand, because that lease defines the whole relationship, and once it's signed, you're legally bound. You know, it is a legal contract, and so you can't go making changes to it later unless the landlord consents to that. Uh, so it's really important to know what it says on the front end. So the first thing you're going to want to look at is what is the lease term? Because once you sign that lease, you're on the hook for that lease term. There can be some some offsets for early termination, uh, but you know we get into that into an, in another podcast, which you can listen to. Uh, but what is the lease term? Generally, residential leases are going to be for a year, but they can be for longer. So if you want a longer term, you can always ask for a two, three, four-year lease, even if you wanted to. Uh, and landlords will sometimes be agreeable to that. Uh, usually, if there's a longer term, there are going to be some automatic rent increases included in that so that in year two or three, it'll it'll go up automatically so that a new lease doesn't have to be negotiated. But that's the one thing you're going to look at is what is the lease term? Because once you sign that lease, you're on the hook for that uh, entire term. Uh, some leases will have an early termination fee. So if you want to move out early, they'll have a, a price in the lease that says you can pay this early termination fee and get out of the lease. Some leases won't have that. It's really up to the landlord whether they want to grant you that or not. They don't have a legal obligation to set any kind of early termination fee. Um, The next thing you're going to look at is when is the rent due? So the rent is usually going to be due on the 1st, but it could be due on the 15th or really whatever date you and the landlord agree to. But you're going to want to look at when the rent is due because there will be late fees that apply if you don't pay that rent on time. So it may be a per day late fee. It may just be a one time late fee, but there will usually be some kind of late fee if you don't pay that rent on time. So you're going to want to look at that to make sure that you're not getting hit with late fees all the time for paying your rent late. And another aspect of that is the grace period. So in a lot of leases, there will be the rent is due on the first, but then a late fee is charged if they don't have the rent by the fifth. Now, a lot of people think that 
because there's a grace period that you don't have to pay until the 5th. That's not true. The lease has a, a, a date that the rent is due, and if that date is the 1st, that rent is due on the 1st. And so just because they don't charge a late fee until the 5th doesn't mean that you can wait until the 5th to pay. Because when I used to do evictions, that was a big misconception among uh, tenants was that they thought, you know, I paid this rent on the 4th, and it says that I have the grace period until the 5th, and he's trying to evict me. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. The grace period only applies to that late fee. Your rent is still due on the 1st, and so you didn't pay your rent, and so that's why he's evicting you. And it was kind of a, a disappointing thing, but it was a, it's a very common misconception. So remember to check when is that rent due and make sure you get that rent in by that time. Another thing you'll want to look at is, if you're a pet owner, is the pet policy. Now, landlords do not have to allow pets. Uh, most of them do, but they will require a pet deposit. And usually that pet deposit is non-refundable. So that's something you're going to want to look at and see, because if you're uh, a pet owner and you love your pet and you want to bring them with you, you're going to want to see what that landlord's policy is on pets. If there's a required pet deposit, if it's refundable, if it's non-refundable, or if they even allow pets at all, because they don't have to allow pets. Now, they do have to allow service animals. So if you have a legitimate service animal, they cannot refuse to rent to you because you have a service animal. Now, they can ask for verification that that service animal is actually a legitimate service animal that is required. Now, you don't have to open up your whole medical records to them and explain why you need a service animal. It could be something as simple as a letter from your doctor saying, yes, this person requires a service animal. And that is sufficient proof that you can provide the landlord, and legally they can ask for that. They don't have to know why you need the service animal, but they can ask if you actually need a service animal. And a letter like that from a medical professional would be fine to uh, satisfy that. Other thing you're going to want to look to is what are you responsible for as a tenant? So do you have to cut the grass, or is the landlord going to take care of that? Uh, what kind of maintenance are you responsible for versus the landlord? You know, is he going to drop off AC filters and you're going to be responsible for changing them, or is he going to come in and change the AC filters? Uh, you know, if something breaks, are you responsible for getting it repaired and then you send the bill to the landlord, or are you just responsible for getting it repaired and you have to pay for it, or do you just notify the landlord when something is broken and he gets it repaired? So those are all things you need to kind of look for to just kind of know what what's on you and what's on them. And so that's also very important. And you're also going to have, there's going to be some rules and policies for that unit. So there's going to be certain things you can do, certain things you can't do, and you're going to want to be aware of those. So, you know, most standard leases will say no illegal activity is permitted on the property at all. That's very standard. Uh, they're also going to have rules about guests. So they'll have a certain time period where someone can stay with you before they're considered living in that apartment and will need to be on a lease themselves. So a lot of times it'll be 10 days. So if somebody stays over 10 days, they're not going to be considered a guest anymore and they're going to need to get on that lease with you. You're also going to want to look at what the landlord's policy is in that lease about when they can come by for uh, inspections, repairs, and maintenance. So generally 24 hours notice is required, uh, for the landlord to come by for any sort of inspection or general repairs and maintenance. But there's usually a clause in there that says if it's an emergency, they can come by right away. So like usually, you know, if the AC or the heat goes out, they don't really have to give you 24 hours notice. They can just come by because that's considered an emergency situation and they need to get in there. But generally it'll say some sort of notice that they have to give you before they can just 
pop in to either inspect the property, which they are allowed to do. They're allowed to come by for regular inspections because it's still their property that they're leasing to you. So just be prepared for that, that they show up or they give you, you know, a text or an email that says I'm coming by, you know, in, in 24 hours to check on the place. They can do that. Uh, they're allowed to. But usually in the lease, it'll say the kind of terms of that. So it'll say 24 hours notice, 48 hours notice, something like that, uh, so that they can't just pop in unannounced. The lease will also say if they're allowed to uh, show the property uh, for leasing or selling while you're a tenant. So a lot of leases will say when we get to the last month or two before your lease terminates that we're allowed to put out a for lease sign and we're allowed to show people the uh, unit, you know, of course, with some notice requirements in there. Uh, while you're living there. So that's something that just to be aware of. Uh, and also if they sell the property, there will usually be a clause in there saying, if we sell the property, we're allowed to put out a sign and you have to make it available for showings, you know, upon however much notice uh, is in the lease. Another important thing to be aware of is the notice of termination requirements. So a lot of leases will have automatic renewal clauses, which means that if the landlord doesn't terminate the lease or you don't tell the landlord that you're moving out when the lease uh, expires, that it will automatically renew for a certain period of time. Sometimes that'll be month to month. So it'll renew that lease on the same terms, but on a month to month basis, or it sometimes will renew for an entire another year or two years if that was the initial term of the lease. Uh, and so you're going to want to be mindful of that clause and put you know a little calendar reminder in there, because a lot of times leases will say that you have to give the landlord notice that you're not going to renew and that you're going to move out when the uh, lease expires, you know, within 30 days of that lease expiring. So just that's something that you need to be aware of. And you're also going to need to be aware of how you deliver that notice to the landlord. So the lease will say that for that notice, you have to deliver it by certified mail or, you know, some sort of written communication. Uh, and you're going to want to be aware of that so that you deliver it in the correct way. Because if on the last day of your lease, you just go ahead and you've moved all your stuff out and you just go drop off the keys and you haven't told them beforehand that you weren't renewing or you weren't going to hold over that lease, uh, they're probably going to hold you to another month's rent. Uh, and so that's something that happens to a lot of people where they, they weren't aware of this clause and so they'll just move their stuff out, they'll go turn in the keys and the landlord will say, wait, you didn't give me my 30 days notice that you weren't uh, going to be staying there any longer and so I'm going to hold you to that extra month's rent. You know, it's, it's kind of a mean thing to do, but, you know, it does happen, and it is something that they're legally allowed to do. Now we'll talk about the security deposit. So any lease is going to make you put down a security deposit, and that is just an amount of money uh, to secure that property for damages beyond reasonable wear and tear. So there's reasonable wear and tear is not something that the landlord can charge you for. It's just considered a normal thing that happens when someone lives in a property. Uh, but they charge a security deposit in case there are damages beyond that normal reasonable wear and tear. Uh, and so you're going to be want aware, be aware of what that security deposit amount is. Usually it's a month's rent. That's you know pretty standard. But remember that that security deposit is not for rent. So you can't just say, you know, I'm just not going to pay my last month's rent, and they can have that security deposit as my last month's rent. Doesn't work that way. They could still come after you for that last month's rent and also the security deposit for anything uh, beyond reasonable wear and tear that is damaged in that, that unit. Now, the landlord does have to return that security deposit to you 
minus any charges for damages beyond reasonable wear and tear. Uh, usually, uh, in places like Louisiana, our law says that they have to return that security deposit uh, 30 days after you vacate, uh, or they have to give you an itemized list of things that they're deducting from that security deposit to cover damages, but they have to do that within 30 days. Uh, but the catch is, if you don't leave a forwarding address and turn in the keys, they're relieved of that that duty to return it to you in that 30 days. So that's another thing to remember, is that you're going to want to tell them where you're going so that they can send that security deposit back to you. And they either need to return you either part of the security deposit with a list of what they've deducted from it, or if they return none of it, they need to give you a list of why you're not getting any of it back. And so to get into that more, I'll talk about a way to protect yourself in that kind of situation. So once you've signed this lease, you're aware of all the terms, everything's good, you know, you've negotiated the way you want it or, you know, what's acceptable to you, uh, then on move-in day, when you go to move into that apartment or before you move into the apartment, you're going to want to do a move-in condition checklist. So it's very simple. There's a lot of forms out there for it. It's basically a sheet where you go room by room and make a note of any pre-existing damage so that the landlord knows that you're not responsible for that and they can't take it out of your security deposit when you move out. So you just, it's pretty simple. You can really do this with the property manager or the landlord themselves and just go room to room marking down any sort of pre-existing damage and you get the landlord or the property manager to sign that sheet and you keep a copy of it and you can give them a copy of it uh, just so that when you move out, you can do the same thing. You can do a move out condition sheet, which you go through and you can mark any damage that was caused by you and compare it to what was on that move-in sheet to see what was pre-existing so that you don't get charged for any sort of pre-existing damage to the unit. And so it's just one way to kind of protect yourself. uh, And also taking pictures of any of that can also help too, uh, just so that you have more evidence of that pre-existing damage. Because any picture you take, even if it's on an iPhone, will have a timestamp and a date stamp so that you can prove when that picture was taken and that the damage was pre-existing. But if you have that property manager or that landlord sign that sheet, it's going to be hard for them to argue that they didn't know that damage was already there and that you shouldn't be charged for it because they signed off on the sheet and y'all went through it room to room. And so just a good way to kind of protect your security deposit so that you get the the most back on that security deposit that you can. And the last thing I'll mention about residential leases is that a lot of times if you don't have uh, a very long credit history or you're young and just haven't rented a lot of uh, apartments or houses before, or maybe you have bad credit or some bad rental history in there, sometimes a landlord will make you get a guarantee for that lease, which is just someone else to sign that lease and basically guarantee it. So if you don't live up to the obligations of that lease, specifically paying rent, uh, that they can go after the person guaranteeing that lease. So it's an important thing to just consider because whoever's signing that, whether it's a parent or a friend or whoever, uh, they're pretty much going to be on the hook for that lease. So, you know, if you don't pay, they're going to go after them. And so that's an important thing to consider. It's not just, you know, some meaningless signature on a document. You know, they're, that person guaranteeing that lease is going to be legally bound, you know, just like the uh, tenant is. So just an important thing to consider. And, you know, be careful with those kind of lease guarantees because, you know, if you don't really know the person very well, you could get yourself into some trouble if you're guaranteeing that lease for them. So now I'll just touch on some of the high points of a commercial lease, because most people who are entering into a commercial lease, they have a commercial realtor 
who can kind of walk them through it and explain things to them, or they have a real estate attorney that can go over the lease with them. But, you know, not everyone's like that. Some small business owners may not have a commercial realtor or a real estate attorney. So I'll just kind of go over some of the basic things you need to kind of look at. Now, commercial leases are very different from residential leases uh, in that it's kind of a lot of it's just determined by the parties on how they want to uh, execute that lease. Uh, And so usually a commercial lease will start out with a letter of intent, which is kind of where uh, either the landlord or the tenant will kind of outline the the general terms that have been verbally agreed to uh, on a lease before they actually draft up the lease. And so you kind of can negotiate on the letter of intent side. Or sometimes it just kind of depends on on how the parties operate. Sometimes it'll just be you're just going back and forth with drafts of the lease until you finally get to one that's acceptable. So with commercial leases, it can go any number of different ways. Like there's something called the triple net lease, which means that the tenant is responsible for the taxes, insurance, and maintenance. So basically you're just paying the landlord for use of that building, but you're taking care of everything else involving that building. You're paying to insure it. You're paying the taxes on it. You're paying for all the maintenance and everything in between. So, you know, commercial leases can run the gambit of, you know, any kind of different way you want to set it up. Commercial leases are also usually, they talk about it in terms of per square foot, which can be uh, a little uh, confusing to people because they don't really understand what they're talking about. But when they say price per square foot, they're talking about the square footage of the building times an amount per square foot, so $14 per square foot. So if you have a 2,500 square foot property uh, and it's going to be $14 a square foot, that's going to be about uh, $35,000 annually. So divide that by 12 and it's going to be around you know $2,900 per month. So that's the way they, they talk about it in commercial world a lot of the times is price per square foot per year. So it's the annual lease rate per square foot per year. So that's kind of the way to think about that. And you can just kind of do the do the math on your phone to figure out what that is per month. Another thing you're going to want to be aware of in a commercial lease is what are you responsible for as far as expenses and maintenance. So a lot of commercial leases, uh, the landlord will be responsible for anything on the exterior. So like roof or, you know, AC or, uh, you know, the outside walls, foundations, plumbing, things like that. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes you'll be responsible for that. Or, uh, you know, sometimes it's everything on the inside and that's it. Or sometimes it'll be, uh, you know, the landlord will pay for water or they'll, you know, sometimes they'll pay for energy or they'll pay for, uh, you know, trash collection. Uh, it just kind of depends. They can do it any kind of different ways, but it's something you're going to want to look at to see what you're actually going to be responsible for on a month to month basis before you sign that commercial lease. Uh, you know, sometimes if it's a large complex, they'll have shared expenses that are divided up among the tenants and those shared expenses may change from month to month, but you can ask them to see, you know, uh, from in the past 12 months, what were generally those expenses, you know, or show me what these shared expenses generally were, uh, you know, in the past 12 months, so I can get an idea of how much I'm paying per month, you know, in total for the rent plus any kind of shared expenses. And usually your commercial leases are going to be uh, three years is a pretty standard minimum for a commercial lease, but it can be shorter or longer. It just really all depends on what you negotiate with that landlord. And also, just like with residential leases, it may have some automatic renewal clauses uh, where it automatically renews for the same term uh, if you don't tell them that you're not going to renew or that you're you know, going to vacate the space when the initial lease terminates. Or it could have some renewal options where it says, you know, this lease is going to be for an initial term of three years, but 
there's a, a three-year renewal and another three-year renewal, you know, at this lease price. And so it'll have some automatic protections in there so that you, you know, can have it initially for three years, but you get a guaranteed, you know, up to six years more or however long uh, y'all negotiate in there. So that's something that, you know, you just kind of want to look at. Uh, a lot of commercial leases will have a right of first refusal in them. A lot of commercial landlords are not opposed to giving you a right of first refusal uh, if you don't want to have to move your business. If the uh, landlord sells that property, you can negotiate in the lease that if the landlord decides to sell that property, they have to offer it to you first before they can sell it to somebody else so that you're not in danger of being put out of that property. And that's very standard. You know, No one will take offense or, or bat an eye kind of at you asking for that that clause. They don't have to grant it, but it's not unusual. And so they wouldn't be surprised by you asking for that. And the last thing I'll touch on for commercial leases is that most commercial leases, unless you have some huge, massive company with a very long track record, uh, they're going to want a personal guarantee on that lease, which just means that the people who own the company are going to personally guarantee that lease so that if the company goes broke and there's no money in the company, the landlord can come after the owners of that company personally for the remainder of that lease term or any kind of damages or anything kind of thing like that. And so that's something to kind of be aware of that, you know, most commercial landlords, again, unless you're a huge company that has a very long track record that the landlord can kind of trust, they're going to want the owners to personally guarantee that lease or at least someone to personally guarantee that lease uh, just because it kind of gives that landlord a little extra security to know that, you know, if this company happens to go belly up, you know, I can still, uh, you know, get some of my money out of it uh, that I'm not completely just out of luck here. So I hope that was a good overview for, for y'all of commercial and residential leases. And one final thing to remember, whether it's a residential or a commercial lease, just remember that if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. So get things in writing. So if there's something y'all agreed to, but it's not in that lease, and it's just something y'all talked about, it doesn't exist. If there's you know some kind of repair request or something like that, or anything you're discussing with your landlord, get it in writing. So either email or an actual letter or something like that. It just it has to be in writing because in any real estate transaction, whether that's, you know, buying, selling, leasing, it doesn't matter. If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. So just always remember that. Feel free to reach out if you have additional questions. Uh, you know, this was not legal advice, so don't take it as legal advice. But uh, if you do need a real estate attorney or uh, a commercial realtor, I can direct you to those. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, we'd love to hear from y'all too. If you have any feedback or other topics you'd like us to, to cover on this show, be happy to do it. If you need to find Lakeland Title on social media, you can find them on Twitter at Lakeland Title BR or on Instagram, same thing, Lakeland Title BR or on Facebook at facebook.com slash brclosing. If you need to find me, you can find me on Twitter at bjohnson or on Instagram at bgjohnson. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, if you need to contact the show, you can contact us at podcast at brclosing.com. Or if you want to contact me personally, you can send me an email at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at brclosing.com. Or always, you can just give us a call at 225-387-5005. I hope y'all enjoyed listening to the show and we'll see y'all next time.